Good morning. My name is Dan. I'm uh, one of the elders here, and I'll be leading us through the the word today. And uh, what's this? What's this strange ribbon? Perhaps you might think, if you're new here, that construction is happening, or we just don't want kids to get to the drum set. Um, maybe you're thinking this is, uh, we're falling on hard times and this is our attempt at Christmas decorations. <laughs> not true. If you're, uh, if you're watching at home, you might not see the whole stage. And if you're listening to this in a recording, you definitely have no idea what's going on. But this is a ribbon and it's running the length of the stage and it represents eternity. It's not to scale. Um, you have to imagine it going infinitely left and infinitely right for eternity. So it wouldn't go around the world. It would fly off the edge of the earth and keep going. And um, where's, where's God? If you were to look at this scale, this timeline, where's God? Where does he start and where does he end? He doesn't. And um, that's it's it's pretty compelling to even just fathom what that means. But um, right now, I want to ask you another question: Where are where are you? Where, where where do you fit on eternity? Talking life on Earth here. Well, I think if I were to take us, I'd probably put us right about here. This is not a statement on the end times. This is just a simple marking. What's the matter? Can't you see yourself? We seem pretty small. And that's the point. When we actually think about eternity, in light of our epic sounding lives in our own heads and in our own imaginations, when we step back, we realize that we're actually a bit small. And we're at the beginning of Advent season. And my goal today is for us to remember who created us and and who sustains us before we run the risk of making ourselves the center of this season. I want us to remember that an eternal yet personal God created and sustains Everything, and He is Jesus, the star of Advent. He is God, and that changes everything. So I'm going to start by reading Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. It's all of it. starts... Over here. And it's a lot. And I want you to just take it in as much as possible. As though it was the first time you're hearing this. And I'm going to read the whole chapter. And I want you to look for two repeated phrases. And uh, if you're still slowed down by exhaustion from the holiday. Look at your outline. Because it gives you a little bit of a hint. So let me read. Genesis 1, 1 through 25. It's most of it, and I'll read the rest 
in just a little bit. Okay? In the beginning, it's over here, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said... Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together. He called seas and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters into the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so... And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. First thing we learn here is that God is the creator and the sustainer of this world. And this is shown in two repeated phrases. Did you catch them? First one is, 
God said, let there be. God speaks and things are created. God himself, who was there in the beginning, uncreated, created everything. He created all things. Perhaps you're tired and you're drinking coffee right now. Do you know how old the water is in your coffee? It was made in the beginning. And it evaporated and rained and evaporated and rained. And everybody's drinking old coffee when you think about it. All the pumpkin pie in your fridge or that you wish was in your fridge. If you go back far enough in time, seedling before seedling, you get verse 11, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit, which is their seed, each according to its kind. Or the moon that you look at, when it's visible at like 4.30 in the afternoon these days. That's verse 16. That's the lesser light to rule the night. That's the same moon. When you think about eternity and where it comes from. And how it was all made before you had a thing to do with it. God did that. And we forget that. But he didn't just set it in motion and walk away. It's still there. And that's the heart of the second repeated phrase. After God made it, God saw that it was good. It was good. Not just made, but he made things with order in mind. In verse 5, giving night so that his creation could rest. In verse 9, separating land from water so that we can have things like a church building. Very considerate. Verse 20, making all animals in whom form food chains which grow and adapt. All this created not only by God, but created good and with order by God. And this, friends, begins to show us A lot about God. He's personal. There's a a purpose to how things are being made and ordered. There's a reflection of himself in what he has made. Never more so than in his greatest creation, people. Which I'm going to read now in the rest of the chapter. And I want you to look for those repeated phrases again. But this time I want you to look for a contrast. Then God said, verse 26, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. And in the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. 
And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens. And to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has a breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. You probably saw the repetition, verse 26 And God said, God said, that is God created people. Last of all, all people. Pay attention here to the plural language. God said man will be made in our image. Our image. In that we begin to see a bit more of God. If you remember when I read verse 5, we already know the Holy Spirit is here hovering over the face of the waters. Then this, there's more order. But as God made people, as he's over all things creating and sustaining, mankind is set over everything else. You create, he says to man. You sustain, he says to man. All of this is a reflection of God. And after all this comes verse 31. God sees everything. And it's not just good. It's very good. This isn't simply news for us. The original audience of the book of Genesis. Back there on the timeline. Well, that was God's chosen people among all people, Israel. They would have read these words written by Moses as a clear distinction between their God and any other created thing tempting their worship. These words that I just read would shout, Israel, God is eternal. He he alone is the creator and the sustainer of everything. Israel, you were made in his image. You're not animals. Friends, this deeply personal God, as we read the book of Genesis, wants to dwell with his people. This eternal God wants to be with with this, this little dot. But time would prove that people didn't want to and didn't deserve to dwell with God. The Old Testament rolled on as time passed. And though they were made in his image, people looked less and less and less like their creator. 
Though he continued to sustain him, they attempted to sustain themselves. And you'd think, if one of us little dots were somehow God, that we would draw back from our creation. We'd get a little tired of these little dots thinking there's so much. But that's not what God does. He actually, throughout history, spoke of a promise to his people. And the promise was, I'm not only going to sustain you, but I'm going to bring you back to me. And I'm going to make it possible for you to be with me for eternity. You don't have to live life thinking all you are is a little dot. And the person that God chose to do to fulfill this promise was God. The little dot they waited for, the object of their worship and waiting was himself the creator and sustainer of all things. So was it about a baby coming? Yes. Was it about God? Yes. Turn with me to John chapter 1 verse 1. It's okay if you don't get there quickly. It's just one verse. Big contrast to the last reading. I'll use this to make a connection that may be new to you, but will probably be more of a helpful reminder. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What do we learn here? Jesus is God, the creator and sustainer of everything. Just as in the beginning kicked off Genesis, that's how the Apostle John begins his testimony of the ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus. And if you're new to the book of John and you're maybe a little confused because verse 1 didn't technically say Jesus, just a few verses later in the whole book itself, gives context that Jesus is this word. And in that little verse that I just read is amazing mystery and truth. This means that Jesus was with God the Father and the Holy Spirit at the creation of the world. So he precedes that very old water in your coffee and he precedes the sun and the moon and day and night and animals and every created thing. And before all of that, according to John, there was Jesus with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in whom we celebrate during Advent as becoming a little dot like us, and a baby at that, he is that, 
But he's also this. He is more than just a little baby. He is eternally more. We look at Jesus as a little cute speck in a manger here. And we forget that he was there and he's there. And the beauty of that is that anybody who is his friend, who follows him, doesn't have to view life as this. They can be eternally with him. Again, this isn't simply news for us. The original, audi- the original audience of this text, John chapter 1, which is, I don't know, maybe here. Um, far back on the timeline, but not as far as Israel. The audience of this wasn't just Jewish people. Anybody reading this would be people like the Greeks and others that had new and exciting and weird ways of thinking. And contrary to Greek thought, this text would shout that creation and the sustainment of everything is found in a personal God. And though this has been from the beginning, not just a random setup or a God who creates and then leaves, now we see in full by looking on the face of Jesus and believing the testimony of Jesus that God is personal and God has guided history and He has gone so far to be personal that He came down as a person. And that's Jesus. And Jesus is God. A Jewish person reading this would be challenged too. Not just the Israelite. A Jewish person would be challenged in addition to the Greek. They would read Genesis 1 and see that God created the stars. They'd remember that. And later in Genesis, they would think of one of their heroes, the father of their faith, Abraham, who one night, as a man without a child, and wondering what God would do, he looked up at the stars, and God would promise him that his family would be as numerous as those stars. And then thousands of years later, those very same stars would direct wise men to a place where Jesus, God in the flesh, was born. Same stars, same God. And they would consider their place in God's eternity. I remember as a kid, I would go to summer camp, and it was before I knew much theologically about anything, but I would remember I was you know, being from the city, I wouldn't see the stars very often. I'd just go outside and we'd lay there in a camp out and I'd look up at the moon and God would get 
God set in my mind, in motion, little bits of eternity. I'd look up and I'd think of the stars and I'd think of the moon and I'd think of a God who created them. And there was no deep theological truth. It was just enough to realize, I'm this and God is this. And the connection is Jesus. How does this apply to us? Well, friends, it's, a, it's Advent. And the question is that there's a lot of things you might be waiting on the arrival of. I just want to ask, what are those things? What are you waiting for? I'll tell you my struggle. Year after year, especially now as a parent... I can feel the temptation to make Advent not about anxiously awaiting the Creator, but about anxiously awaiting created things. Sometimes it's as simple as the gifts I want to buy for loved ones and the hopes of their smiles, or sometimes it's anxiety because I can't get them very much. Sometimes I'm preoccupied with the seasons, songs and parties and little programs. And I take my little dot and I try to make that Christmas. And you wonder why I'm disappointed. What about you? Every year I say to myself, it's not going to get me this year. And almost every year by Christmas Eve, I'm like, what have I done? What have I done? I've forgotten about eternity. You know where I really figured this out? North Africa. They don't have Christmas there. When our family was there, 99% Muslim country, all the pretense of Christmas was gone. All the pretense. It was 70 degrees on Christmas Day and we ate lunch in a mall food court because everything was open. Strangest thing happened there, though, because of Western influence. Trees, Christmas trees and lights and gift-giving are actually starting to become a little popular there. But nobody there even pretends to recognize Jesus. They don't even bother a little bit. Not even a hint. So let me ask you. If you could have all the presents on every wish list, and you could get all the presents on their wish list, whoever they are, all the bills paid, and the house warm, and all of your family at the table, and nobody's missing. 
even the old ones. But Jesus was not there. Would you take it? Would that be a Merry Christmas? Or let me consider the opposite. If you lost all of that, but you could keep Jesus, would that be enough? Friends, what we celebrate this season is eternity having the audacity to dwell with us. That's what we celebrate. So this Christmas season, if you're a Christian and you find yourself feeling a bit numb or anxious or dissatisfied, if, if, you, if you're preoccupied with the, the happiness of gift giving and receiving, if Black Friday already challenged your faith, or if you're preoccupied with sadness because of what you can't get or you can't give or who won't be there, be careful. You may be in danger of missing the real meaning of Christmas. Whether you're 10 years old or an old saint. Don't forget that an eternal God is the object of this. One last connection. If you don't know Jesus, or if what I just said is new to you, or just really fresh... If Christmas season has already left you feeling a little dissatisfied, the same old songs, presents that you know are going to break, the songs seem like empty traditions, congratulations. You might be on the verge of understanding that yes, you're a little dot, But you can be more. Something much greater is yours because of Jesus. Your creator is better than any created thing. Friends, this Advent, we celebrate the coming of a baby who was here all along. God, the creator and sustainer of everything, the eternal God, came down to win us back to him. Jesus was born. And Jesus is God. Let's pray. Dear God, we're in a, we're just a few days into Advent, and I'm already in danger of forgetting the point. God, and I'm, I preach this stuff. 
God, help me and help us. When we look around at the season, when we think about traditions, none of which in and of themselves are completely bad, would you help us to see the best thing? Lord, I just feel the tug that if anybody here wants to do Christmas different than they've ever done it before, let them do it. Let the parents guide their children well. Protect our children from the worship of created things. And Lord, let us, let us as parents, as adults, not be in danger of what we see in Romans, that we would give approval to those who do. Lord, that's a shocking thing to say at the beginning of the Advent season. But Lord, would you mark us to be different? Would you mark us as we engage with people, as we look around, as we reflect, to think about eternity and our Creator, and to resist the urge to worship created things during, of all seasons, Christmas. The opportunity we have, more clearly than ever, to connect heaven and earth to a world that desperately needs a Savior. Thank you, God, for coming down from eternity to be a little dot like us and to call us to something greater. Amen.